Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon on this very hot, sunny afternoon here in the land of sunshine, southern Florida. Today I want to talk about a very depressing topic to me. Um, and I'll tell you what set it off. It has to do with the stories that I believe have to be changed if we are literally to save our planet, uh, to save the food supply, to save uh, civilization. Uh, we're in grave, grave, grave trouble uh, all over the world. Uh, something that is not going to happen in a hundred years, but is happening even as I speak. Um, and over the last months or so, I have mentioned this anxiety I have when I see pictures of the permafrost in Alaska melting and whole towns sinking into the ground, uh, or a documentary that uh, I watched on P uh, HBO about uh, 12 different places in the world where the environment is changing, and one of the ones that upset me the most were the fact that uh, the Fiji Islands, the Samoan Islands, all of the Pacific Islands are now being swallowed by the Pacific Ocean. Uh, these places that are exquisitely beautiful uh, are referred to as paradise, are, are being uh, consumed as the ocean rises. And as uh, the uh, smokestacks in China spew out ever more uh, uh, pollutants, uh, killing uh, uh, thousands and thousands of people in China, creating terrible lung problems, uh, not allowing people to go out of these horrendous apartment buildings where the windows have to be shut and an air conditioner with a powerful filter keep them from dying uh, <laughs> by the, the air that hangs as a gray mass uh, with dangerous uh, particulates that can destroy lungs. Uh, but the, the particular thing that set me off this week to do this show uh, was the problem that we're having here in South Florida uh, in, on the waterways uh, south of Lake Okeechobee, which are uh, being consumed by uh, what's called an algae bloom, a toxic algae bloom that kills the animals, lets, sends off a horrendous stink so that people can't even, who live on the water can't even go outside or have to move away until the algae bloom uh, uh, dissipates, which probably will in the cooler weather. But after the damage is done to the uh, tourist season, to the, uh, to the businesses that depend upon the waterway, to the beaches that won't be visited by people, um, and, and the, the ugliness of uh, this transformation of this beautiful area, uh, one of the one of the things my wife and I take great pleasure in is uh, having dinner. There's one of two restaurants that are on the intracoastal, which is the strip of water which can be narrow or quite wide, that separates the um, the beach uh, from the mainland. Um, and and uh, sitting and, and enjoying a cocktail and a nice dinner uh, across from a mangrove forest, uh, all of which is being threatened and all of which uh, is, is being destroyed. 
Now, why is this happening? It's an interesting. Lake Okeechobee is the source of most of the water we drink. It is the largest, I believe I'm factually true, the largest freshwater lake in the United States. Quite beautiful to take a ride up and look at the water. Tremendous amount of water activity uh, um, that are available for people who go to vacation there or just want to, to be entertained. Uh, quite a beautiful place. But the, the lake, when it fills up, uh, has, is protected or created by some dikes. And these dikes are antiquated clay dikes. And the Army Corps of Engineers has to constantly uh, patch it up and keep it from uh, breaking and uh, flooding uh, I don't even know. I, I should know my facts better, but a large amount of water that would come down and destroy homes and make it unlivable uh, south of the lake. So what they've been doing is taking fresh water, uh, a billion gallons a day, or, or especially in the rainy season, and pouring it into the estuaries, the rivers, and the intracoastal, which are salt water. The, the problem is not only should the fresh water not be mixed in the salt water, uh, causes problems for fish and birds and manatees and uh, the wonderful uh, wildlife that lives in these waters, uh, in these protected waters, uh, but the sugar plantations, the, the farms, uh, provide all kinds of runoff, nutrient-rich runoff, which then enters into the salt water creating an ecological imbalance and an ecological nightmare. And for years, it has been proposed and defeated uh, by the money, and you know, I don't, how you, you all know what you're listening to this, uh, in our country, uh, money talks and everything else walks, by the farmers who uh, pay uh, for the loyalty of the uh, state legislature, uh, that nothing really will be spent to produce a better dam, a bigger, higher dam, so that more water can be kept in Lake Okeechobee and less water, if any, can be poured into the, into the uh, estuaries, the rivers, and the intracoastal. Moreover, um, we are hell-bent in Florida, as everywhere, as people want to come here to develop and develop and develop regardless of the consequences uh, to the ecology and to the beauty and the health and the vibrancy of, of the place we live. And so uh, pollution is a major problem here, as it is with everybody, everywhere. Uh, the ocean levels rise. Uh, I didn't have to go into the catastrophe uh, that is taking place here, as in most other places in the world. So why doesn't this change? Why, as we look at, at, at what is going on, why can't we um, understand that this is occurring and take prudent steps uh, as a community, uh, rich and poor alike, uh, and do things in such a way as we mitigate as much of the disaster uh, that uh, is taking place? And it's not as if evil people are doing this. People want to make money. They earn a living. They, a development in, in, in a big part of the story 
that we'll talk about in a few moments is called progress. Uh, Pave over the world, uh, develop, destroy the natural environment uh, for fun and profit, and it's called progress, which then uh, makes anybody who really protests against this against progress. And part of the story I believe needs to be changed is our definition of progress, which I'll get to in a few moments because I want to broaden this. I mean, you can also talk about just greed. Um, the fantasy story in America, one of the fantasy stories, uh, is that he who dies with the most toys wins. Um, there, this literally seems to be. I can be protected from, the, from death. I can be protected from, from misery uh, if I only uh, have enough uh, uh, money if I have enough property and, and this is a very powerful incentive for people to fight against this kind of pollution uh, believing uh, along with the, the environmental deniers that this is occurring that this will be alright or it's going to happen in a hundred years and it's happening right now but it's still this will happen 40 years, 50 years, 60 years technology will come up with a solution to this before it's really too late um, but these are fantasies, I believe. These are serious problems. And so the development continues and the runoffs continue uh, and, and the, the fish and the birds and the sea life uh, and the people who live on the water and the people who want a vacation are all left high and dry. Uh, although I was heartened to see the thousands of people who protested uh, and all of whom said that uh, they will be looking in, in November uh, at the state legislature, those who are running for re-election for some kind of commitment from them. Otherwise, they will vote them out. And I think that is really uh, what I would love to see this happen all over, uh, that uh, we use the ballot box uh, to say that we don't want any more of this, that the money has to talk less and the good of the community has to talk more, but here I am sounding idealistic, and I can't help it because that's the way, in part, the way out. So what are the stories that we have that I believe make it very difficult other than personal need, personal wealth, uh, and, and the story that if I have a big house and a lot of money, it'll somehow protect me uh, from, from the exigencies and the dangers in life? The broader issue seems to me, again, as many of my broadcasts talk about, um, the issue of evolution. There is a story that is against the idea of evolution that says that human beings have a soul, uh, which translates in more, in more modern times, uh, less uh, uh, theological terms, a self. And somehow this self is permanent and immortal. And no matter what happens to us, our bodies, we will continue to exist in a state of consciousness after our body becomes one again with the earth or whatever happens to it after we pass away. And this particular story, uh, I believe, is a destructive story in many ways because uh, it allows us to have a top-down view, a story that's top-down. Uh, 
that we don't emerge from the earth itself, that we're not one with nature, that we're not part of the animal kingdom, that we didn't, as evolution teaches us, crawl up uh, onto the land, emerge from the fish, emerge from uh, before that protozoa and single-cell animals in this really glorious, uh, wonderfully complicated process which says we are not only in the world and not only on the planet, but we are of it. And the top-down story that says there is an escape clause uh, and then adds the, uh, the, the man in the top, the god, the shaman, the cleric, because it's part of every societal story. Uh, it, it allows for a sense of protection. It justifies doing to the world what we want to do to it uh, because uh, we are superior to it. There is another aspect to this that I find interesting. If you study the emergence of science, uh, uh, which I believe is an important thing for people to understand, uh, the physical world, the biological world, to understand the evolutionary process, to understand our relationship to nature, and that we are not only in it, but we are of it, deeply of it, and will be destroyed with it that there is no escape. There's no top-down story that really works but a bottom-up story. If you, if you examine uh, the way the story works, it also suggests uh, that uh, we are put here by the deities to rule over the planet, to, to use its supposedly inexhaustible uh, n- supply to nurture us, to do to it as we wish, because it's given to us morally uh, by the deity or deities. We don't have to take care of it because we're not really part of it. There's an escape clause, and we are here to rule over it. What's interesting is that uh, some years ago, feminists who looked at the uh, relationship of science uh, and and, uh, ecology uh, point out the aspect of, of, of anti-feminism that's built into this story. Remember, we talked about in my last episode, if you haven't listened to it, that the uh, male god uh, watches over and justifies and protects the activities of the male warrior uh, who then has to control the female who is the source of his young and uh, his dinner and uh, uh, taking care of his home when he is off fighting and doing great deeds involved with killing and being killed. The, the myth that war produces so much meaning uh, in our lives and is believed from generation to generation, which again uh, determines that there should always be another war to replace the war that is now over. Uh, it was pointed out in one of these books, and I when I got rid of a lot of my books, I apparently got rid of this one, but I did some research. One of the people who uh, is, is uh, seen to have created modern science is Sir Francis Bacon, uh, an individual from several centuries ago who laid out the idea of science. 
But in it, he really talks about the fact uh, that we will be able to subjugate Mother Nature to our needs. And he is quoted as saying things like, uh, we will pull her by her ears, we will tweak her nose until she gives up her secrets and we can control her. And so much of science, and that is permeated by this notion of the female uh, being milked, as it were, by the power of the male, by the power of masculine intelligence to give up its secrets and and so much of what I believe ends up being destructive to our world is this idea of Mother Nature uh, given to us by a father superior, by some powerful male figure who created us uh, in an image of the male uh, and gave us uh, uh, dominion over the animals. Pigs exist to give us bacon. Birds exist to give us chicken dinner. I mean, this whole idea that it is a feminine place, the planet, and that as males and as warriors and those uh, are living by the justification of the powerful male god or gods uh, have a right and a duty and a responsibility to take this planet and do everything with it that it, we believe that will make us more powerful, make us live longer, make us live better, and by denying, here again, the notion of repression that I talk about so often, by denying our vulnerability to the planet as we destroy it, the, of, of the uh, idea uh, that uh, we have 4% of our genes or 2% of our genes that are different from the chimpanzee, that we are descended from monkeys. And as the monkeys go, so we go in so many ways, not only physically but psychologically. And so what we have uh, is a planet that we are ripping apart, that we are tearing apart, with a notion that it'll be there forever, that uh, the same science that teaches us how to strip mine and how to uh, uh, dominate the planet and tweak and pull from it and rip it apart for our glory and for our power and for whatever extended life we think we could have and go on like this forever, uh, unless this is changed, we are screwed. And what are the chances this will be changed? I think very little. I think very little. Um, uh, I, I don't mean to be morbid, but as we watch the waters uh, come up on high tide in Miami, in, in Miami Beach, in Fort Lauderdale, as we watch the blooms, Bloom is a beautiful world, but it's a, not a pretty thing uh, to see this uh, uh, water covering over these poor manatees that have to be hosed down to keep them alive with fresh water uh, to get the bloom off them, which is so toxic. Um, and we go on our way because we are embedded in this story that says to many, don't even let your children know about evolution because it could shake their faith in what I call this top-down story uh, of power, 
Um, I don't know what else to say. I, I took, I went on, I, I'm having difficulty. I can't get attached to a secure line on my computer. I'm doing this show using a tablet. So it must be with my computer that the difficulty, but given my limited knowledge of what to do to change this, I'm trying to get contact with Blog Talk Radio. In fact, if anybody at Blog Talk Radio hears this, maybe you can contact me and uh, give me an idea of how I can go back and use the, the uh, computer uh, because it, it's really much more difficult using the tablet. I don't know why when I posted to my network and I sent out and says the message was sent that the blog talk radio is still a check and it didn't, I don't think it went, but what can we do? What can I do? <sighs> I am ignorant of, of the uh, finer points of computer technology. So I don't think anybody is particularly there right now. If anybody would like to come on and, uh, joined the discussion. I did, uh, for the first time, sent out a uh, a message on my uh, Facebook account yesterday that I would be online today, and I know that people are responding to it, and that uh, all of my episodes are now uh, being tuned into, and my listenership has uh, about doubled since I've uh, become slightly literate with uh, Facebook. And so uh, I think I've said what I wanted to say. There was something else I wanted to talk about, part of the story of, of uh, domination of Mother Nature. And uh, it'll come to me later and I'll be annoyed, but I'll somehow work it into another episode because I feel much better doing these episodes. Uh, maybe in some small way, those of you who uh, uh, want to uh, join uh, the the uh, attempt to slow the degradation of the beautiful world we live in and make it more livable rather than less livable, uh, in the name of making it more livable, then um, we will, you will add our voices together and... Um, we will uh, let our politicians know what we think and what we feel and how urgent this is for us. And uh, we will uh, become more uh, uh, familiar with the theories of evolution and uh, uh, geology and all of the proofs uh, that tell us uh, that we are an emergent species. Oh, yes, I know what I wanted to talk about. It was, was another issue related to living outside of nature. Uh, last year, I took a trip with a group of people for my development, and we went to the Kennedy Space uh, Center, which I really was floored by. I thought it was really a wonderfully interesting place. And one of the people who uh, spoke to us was an astronaut, one of the current astronauts. I forget his name, although I do have a picture of him that I with my wife and I took a picture with him. I was really impressed with the uh, space program and the astronauts who are in it. And there was, he was talking to us about the plans for a manned trip to Mars. And if anybody wants to see an interesting film, The Martian, uh, which is, I thought, a really interesting film. I read the book and was bored to death by all of the technological talk, but that doesn't really uh, interfere 
with the movie, which is, is really fascinating. But this trip would take going and coming three years. And I asked the astronaut, can human beings live three years off the planet? Uh, I know that things can happen to their bones. They can be because uh, of the lack of gravity. I know that there are dangers in terms of radiation. Um, a spaceship can be hit by a meteor, a meteorite. Uh, but what about the psychological aspects of living away from planet Earth? And he was quite excited when he put the question, and he gave us a long answer. He says, we don't know what will happen. What we do know is we're trying to figure out what sounds and sights to put on such a spacecraft. He said, we don't know what will happen to people who for three years can't hear the sound of rain or feel wind on their face or see green grass and forest. We don't know. And I immediately really liked this man uh, and was so heartened by the fact that the idea of leaving the earth, which excites us so, for a totally sterile environment away from the planet, is being thought about in these terms. What would it take to survive psychologically? You see, we hide from nature. We're afraid of nature. And yet at the same time, our ambivalence is such that we love nature. We want a vacation there. Uh, we would like to turn all of nature into a garden, a beautiful garden, so that it's safe and pretty and not really wild, because the wild scares us. The wild is threatening to our sense of power, to our sense that we are in control of our lives and the planet that we're on. It is an awesome power that we keep trying to harness and control with our top-down story rather than accept the bottom-up reality of our existence. Anyway, I, I forgot to say that during the show itself, but I add that uh, because uh, these people who are thinking about going out into space or sending people, human beings, into space for three years uh, are left with the question of what will happen to them when they are completely separated from the natural world in which we are embedded and live and die. So, this was good. I enjoyed this. I always enjoy talking on the air. I guess I am an egomaniac of types, but I'm going to end the episode and see why my blog talk radio didn't uh, get sent. But let's see what happens. Good night. Goodbye.